Okay. All righty. Oh, he- hello. Hello, it's me. It's Jake. Hi. It's episode 175 of the podcast. This is kind of a special episode. Uh, so guess what? That's a thing that people say a lot of times at the beginning of a thing. And, <coughs> oh, I meant to cough off the mic and I coughed right into, into it. Uh, I think, uh, I'm not going to start over. I don't have time to start over. I don't, you know why? I write it down to laziness, which is sort of the theme of this podcast episode. It's episode 175. It's a tribute to laziness. So, um, and uh, the shout out to, uh, well, well, the Nantucket Comedy Festival. That's where I'm going this week. I'm going to be there on uh, Friday night. I think it's Friday night. Yeah, Friday, July 15th. Uh, the Nantucket Comedy Festival um, to benefit Stand Up and Learn, where they teach kids to do stand up because that's what we need—more stand up comedians. I, that's I stand by that. I, there, I just said it. it. Seemed like I was kidding, but I wasn't. I was totally serious. There's a shortage of stand up comedians. <laughs> we better we'd be better off with more comedians than lawyers, I think. Although, who do you think lives on Nantucket? It's got to be all lawyers, right? It's not whaling. That those days are over. And that limerick about the guy with the you know, I don't think he's going to be there. I think he's moved. He's been forced. He's been uh, gentrified right out of uh, Nantucket, that guy. Um, but if he's still there, come on out to the comedy show. Tickets are not cheap, but it's to benefit children learning how to do stand-up. So, you know, it's well worth it. Uh, and then Kids Performance is Wednesday, July 13th. If you're on Nantucket, who am I talking to right now? I'm talking to you, ladies and gentlemen, podcast listeners, comedy fans, and, of course, uh, Josh Balling from Nantucket. So I get this email. They want me to do uh, do an interview for the newspaper there on Nantucket. I don't know what the population of Nantucket is. Hang on just a second. Let's do a little quick. Hang on. All right, I'm back. Yeah, uh, the population of Nantucket as of 2013, according to uh, <clears throat> you know my internet machine right here, is, uh, I got to cough again, the population is uh, 10,399. That's of 2013, so there's probably been some babies. Well, maybe some old guys have passed away or been gentrified out, or maybe some... Uh, well, I don't know. Well, I'm going to let you know what it's like when I get there. Anyway, the population of Nantucket is 10,399 people, and uh, I've done shows for more than that amount of people at one time. But I'm coming to Nantucket. I'm going to do this comedy festival, and uh, it is going to be a good, good, good time. And so if you're around, come on out. But uh, like I said, tickets are not cheap, so that you, you've got that going for you or against you. And then after Nantucket, though, that's when that's when the real fun starts. That's when the affordable shows begin, because I'm going to be back uh, in Indiana, in Bloomington, Indiana, at the uh, Comedy Attic. <clears throat> Sorry, I thought I was pausing to do that throat clear, but I wasn't. Some of the, oh, my production values way down this episode. So I'm going to be in Bloomington, Indiana, the Comedy Attic, July 21 through 23. Come on out to those shows, please. Hello, Bloomington! What's the population of Bloomington? Let's look that up. Well, here's the good news, ladies and gentlemen. The population of Bloomington, Indiana, as of uh, 2013, is 82,575. Wow. Moving on up to the big time. So uh, if you're in Bloomington, come on out to those shows at the Comedy Attic. We're going to have a good time. I can just I can just about promise you. Well, I can promise you. I'm going to have a good time, and, I, and it's infectious. You know, when you see me having a good time, you're going to go, hey, what about us? And you're going to go ahead and do it, too. That's that's how I think. That's, oh, that's one of my trade secrets. 
I have a good time and you have a good time because you don't want to feel left out. Who does? Who wants to feel left out? Anyway, I hope I'll see you there. <clears throat> Meanwhile, uh, Nantucket, right. So they want to do a write-up. Uh, uh, the paper wants to do an article. And uh, I get it. so I get an email from Joshua Balling, or Josh. He says, thanks, Josh, in his email. So uh, he's, he's a pretty nice fella, it seems like. And he's written out some questions, Q&A, for their newspaper. Now, I've already missed the deadline, so I, I have to tell you that my apologies go out to the Inquirer and Mirror and, uh, but I'm on to you. I'm on to you, modern media mavens, about how you do your journalism work. You send me a bunch of questions, and then I'm supposed to type in the answers. And then you just cut and paste them into the article. You write a few. And then he said this, and oh, he also thinks that. And uh, one of the reasons that I became a stand-up comedian is because I like talking, but I don't like typing. Who wants to type? I don't want to type. I mean, write, sure, I'll write my jokes, but I don't always write writing. You know, that's a loose, when you say write, creating, I create those jokes. I craft them. They're stories. I tell them and I remember them and I say them again. Sometimes I'll write down some notes or ideas or concepts and whatnot, but I'm not, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to type. I didn't want to type out these things. Plus, I was in New Zealand visiting my family, my in-laws, my wife's family. They're my family now, though. I married her. Those are my family. Fair and square. I won those people fair and square. So I got a bunch of Kiwis in my family, and I was down there visiting them and having a good time. And uh, Joshua, Josh, sends me down these questions, and it turns out, well, I said, yeah, sure, fire me the questions, and I'll get them right back to you as fast as I can. But the questions are kind of, uh, they're, they're not uh, yes and no or multiple choice. They're essay-type questions, and there's a lot of them. And... Uh, Anyway, so so what I had to do is uh, figure out a new plan, and this is that. I, I printed them out. I got them here, these pieces of paper. I printed out Josh's questions. I'm going to answer them on the podcast, and then I'm going to send him a link so that he can listen to the answers. And I've already wasted six and a half minutes of his time because I haven't even gotten to the questions yet. <laughs> we'll see who wins the laziest game, Josh. Um, anyway, so uh, here, here, here we go, and, and, and my apologies to Josh. It's all in good fun. I can't wait to meet you out there on Nantucket, population 10,399, and uh, I wish you'd have a baby just to round it out to uh, 10,400, if you could do that for me, Josh. Uh, so when did you decide what uh, that, <clears throat> geez, now here, reading, this is another problem. I, not, not only do I not like uh, writing, <laughs> I can barely read. When did you decide that being a stand-up comedian was what you wanted to do with your life? How did you get from veterinary medicine and chemical engineering to comedy? Was it a tough decision? Now, of course, he, he doesn't have a performance. He just typed it out. So I'm, I'm performing these, and I, and I hope it doesn't seem like I'm making light of him. I'm trying to read these in a sincere fashion. But sometimes you get these questions, and you can't help but read them back to yourself as if somebody's kind of screwing with you. Because, let's face it, you get a bunch of questions in the email, and who, who wants to be answering questions back does you know now i'm not i'm not saying i'm sylvester stallone or anything but i don't think he's typing back answers to internet questions right he's not going to a place that's population 10,400 i'm doing that i'm and you know why because i want to that's going to become clearer as we get deeper into this conversation because it's a benefit i'm not getting paid any i'm getting my airfare paid and i'm bringing my daughter so there's two of us coming out there we're going to stimulate your economy (laughs) You'll see how you like that, Nantucket, when I'm out there stimulating your economy with my daughter. It sounds dirty, but it's not. We're just going to have some ice cream. Um, when did I decide that I wanted to be a stand-up comedian? Well, I was in college, as you already know, because it seems like you've read some internet. You've done some Googling. I'll give that to you. Um, I was majoring. Well, I didn't. You don't major in veterinary medicine. You go to college. I went to Iowa State University. 
And because I had a vet school and I was from the Midwest. And in fact, I had a lot of family in Iowa. And so I was a resident of Iowa and I could go to go there thinking that I was going to get into vet school. But the way vet school, veterinary medicine school works is you got to first you got to get an undergraduate degree. Then you got to try and get into veterinary school. And let me tell you a little secret. It was harder then, And I think it's still harder to get into veterinarian school than it is to get into medical doctor, doctor, medical, medical doctor, helper, helper school. Um, so, uh, but I was a good student and I, and I thought I had a shot at it and I liked animals. And, uh, then I realized I didn't want to be a veterinarian. I didn't want to put my, you know, one of the first things you do when you go out with a veterinarian in the Midwest is you watch him put his hand inside of a cow and you're like, holy cow, holy cow. I don't, I'm not sure that's what I want to do is put my hand in a cow's hole. Uh, so I, 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 I switched out of veterinary medicine. Well, I didn't, you don't even switch out. I was in an undergraduate degree. I was even, I was undeclared. How about that? I didn't, I just mentally, this is a mental shift that happened to me that then gets reflected back to you in a question that's sent to you from a, an island 30 miles off the coast of the eastern United States of America. Um, it was a mental decision I made to decide I wasn't going to be a veterinarian. And I was going to switch my major or declare my major as chemical engineering because I was already in math and science. I was good. I was a smarty. I was a, a valedictorian of my uh, high school. Not, it, was, it wasn't even a tiny high school either. It was like 3,000 people, which is about a third of the population in Nantucket um, in my high school. I was a valedictorian. Well, of course, that was just the one class, and it was only three grades, so it was, that was valedictorian out of 1,000 people. And, uh, oh, I got a cough again. So, anyway, uh, I, I, was, I was good in math and science, so I switched to chemical engineering, and then, you know, it doesn't take long majoring in chemical engineering before you realize that either, you, either you're going to enjoy working at an oil refinery or you're not. And uh, I, I went con on that as opposed to pro. And so I switched from chemical engineering. Now, you've left out a step, and this is, information is not widely available on the Internet, Josh, but uh, I switched from chemical engineering to uh, journalism because I wanted to be, uh, I thought I'd go into advertising, copywriting, because I took some tests that said that I I would enjoy that kind of work. Anyway, I got disillusioned with that and uh, just so happened that I'd met a comedian uh, from Chicago, or I thought he was a comedian. He said he was a comedian. I haven't been able to verify. It's it's a lot of years. It's not going to happen anyway, but he was moving out to San Francisco to become a comedian. And he had an article uh, that he cut out of Time or Newsweek magazine. It was before the Internet. You had to actually go buy magazines and cut things out of them if you wanted to show them to someone else. Holy cow. We've come a long way to me talking into this thing instead of doing an interview that the guy's going to type up and put in the newspaper. I doubt he's even going to do it. Um, <clears throat> but it was a tough decision. Well, it wasn't a tough It seemed like a great idea to me. But it was a bit of a tough decision in terms of uh, my parents were not happy about it and all of my friends and trusted advisors. And, and you do have trusted advisors if you're a re- relatively intelligent uh, 21-year-old. I had some faculty there at the Iowa State University of Science and Technology who advised me to get my degree. I only had a little more than a year left and uh, then go be a comedian. But I didn't do that. It was a tough decision. My parents uh, supported me. It seemed like a good idea to me at the time. Let's face it, it's worked out. Scoreboard, in retrospect, uh, well, I might be coming to Nantucket even if I was a chemical engineer or a veterinarian, but uh, wouldn't be wouldn't be coming all expenses paid, would I? Well, maybe. Who knows? Those whale vets, you get the whale vets out there every once in a while. On Nant- you get a sick whale. What? I don't know what. I don't know what it's like out there. I'm sure it's just going to be saltwater taffy and ice cream and rental bikes now. Just talking to hedge fund 
operators. Who, who's on Nantucket? Who is going to come to the show? I don't know what we're going to see. And we're going to see some of their children learning how to be comedians. Why do they need a benefit? Pfft, search me. Anyway, what comedians do you or did you emulate? And who do you or did you consider role models? Well, you know, that's a tricky one. I think we're all, you know, your goal is to eventually become uh, original. And so I feel like it took me about four years to sort of figure that out, (laughs) that you couldn't just make some person up and then be that person. You had to kind of try and be yourself. And so that's what I eventually tapped into. Along that process, there was a comedian who I thought was pretty great, uh, who still works today on cruise ships named Milt Abel. And I thought I thought he was just really terrific, and uh, I, I guess I, I kind of wanted to be like him at the beginning. But you don't know who that is, do you? <laughs> Shout out to Milt Abel. I, I hope he's doing good. And uh, I'd love to see him one of these days. Oh, geez, that's my phone. I'm going to have to pause this right in the middle of the interview. Jesus Christos. It turns out it was Evan from Air Duct Promotions. <laughs> Man. That's why you got to put your phone into airplane mode when you're doing your podcast. I put the I put the iPad recorder thing into airplane mode, but <clears throat> who knew that the phone was going to be how they would call me on the phone? Um, so anyway, uh, shout out to Mill Table. Who did you consider role models? Well, all the people I started out with in San Francisco were pretty awesome, and have gone on to have careers that prove it. Um, the great Paula Poundstone, Kevin Pollock. Um, uh, who who else can we, can we think of? A. Whitney Brown, Dana Carvey. I went there because Robin Williams came from there. Uh, Ellen DeGeneres came through there. She was kind of a, a, a friend in, in those early days at the time. And uh, those are, those are great people. Uh, Bobby Slayton. Who was the funniest comedian you've ever seen live? What was it that impressed you most? Well, you're looking for people who are the most themselves that they can be. And uh, sometimes that's somebody like Bobcat Goldthwait, who was doing a character, but that is a part of himself that he was doing up there. And I, I, <laughs> I know that Bob is trying to stop doing... Well, he wishes he didn't have to do that character all the time, but he was an impressive person to see live. Dana Carvey. Oh, man. He is one of the funniest that I've ever seen live. And what do you care, people? You can't even see him anymore. He, unless you, if you, uh, here's a secret. You want to see Dana Carvey live? Move to Mill Valley and go to the uh, Throckmorton Theater every Tuesday night until he eventually shows up. Now that's, that's your best chance. Or go to work for a corporation where you might have a corporate gig. Or get a time machine. That's a, that's a good thing. If you could get a time machine and go back and watch me MC some shows with Tana Carvey at the other cafe in San Francisco, the corner of Cole and Carl, oh boy, you will have some good times. And not all those shows are sold out either, if you're thinking about getting that time machine and heading back there. Um, who do you see today as comics to keep an eye on, destined for truly big things, and why? Well... <laughs> Who made who? Who died and made me an expert? And I mean, not to make fun of Nantucket, but maybe if you're out there on Nantucket, everybody seems like an expert. You're on an island thirty miles from the east coast of the United States. You, you know, my my advice to you is get a boat and uh, row west. There's a big old country you could be a part of. But I know, I know, I know. You'd have to leave your saltwater taffy store and your ice cream stand, or or your hedge fund. Um, anyway, wh- wh- what do I know? Who, what do I know about today's comics who are impressive? You know, I, I could, who, who could I mention to you? Drew Lynch? That guy's funny. He's already been on America's Got Talent. If you don't know about him, you got to see him. He, he's uh, truly an original, and uh, he, he, that that guy's great. Um, Tommy Jonigan. I love Tommy Jonigan. Those both. Those are both uh, white guys. Uh, 
So Ricardo Flanagan, there's a there's a black man. He's been on my podcast. Check out his episode of my podcast. Ms. Pat, check her out on my podcast and go see Ms. Pat. Um, I think you will enjoy both of those people. And Rhea Butcher um, is uh, is very funny as well. And I I don't know if they're destined for big things. Hey, look, big things are overrated. I think those people are destined for happiness and the respect of their peers. Who would you consider to be legendary comedians and true pioneers? Well, oh, come on, man. You're just going to get, not to, no, I don't want to be hard on you, Josh, but uh, who who do you consider to be, why, why, who, all I can do is say Richard Pryor, right? That guy is a true pioneer. What about that guy? What about George Carlin? What about Steve Martin? Those guys are true pioneers, but everybody knows about them. Come on. You're on the road a lot and have been for years. What is life like for a traveling stand-up comedian? Well, what is life like for any of us? You know, your life is your life that you do. You wake up every day and you go and you turn on the saltwater taffy machine on and uh, you get busy pulling taffy all day long, if that's what you do. It seems perfectly normal, but to somebody who doesn't do that, it's exotic. Like, what do you, what ingredients you put in there? Well, sure, there's salt water and there's taffy, but what else goes in there? And how, do you have to be careful? Can you get your necktie caught in there? Do you even, are you even allowed to wear neckties at the saltwater taffy place? You know, it seems these are all interesting questions that I will have for those people when I see them on uh, Nantucket. But, uh, you know, I've been on the road a lot. It's It's been great. I'll tell you one thing, one nice thing about this job, stand-up comedy, is you get to travel a lot. And you get to go to places that a lot of other people might not necessarily go. I know Nantucket Island is a very popular place uh, for people on the East Coast to go. And, and in fact, it's probably exclusive. It's not cheap to go there or get there even. I know that. Yeah, I'm going on an airplane, not a boat. Um, I don't know what it costs to go there on a boat. Um, but uh, life life as a comedian is a good time. You travel around. You meet a lot of new people. You antagonize some of them. <laughs> I'm not sure Josh is, how Josh is going to feel about me when he sees me after this. But uh, but that's going to be something that we work work out in private. Um, so it can be depressing. Sometimes you're on the road, you're by yourself in some hotel, and, and you don't you know you don't have any friends in town. You got you got to walk a mile to go get a sandwich. But I'm not complaining about that. I, you know it's, it's great. You, you know the the time during the day when you're on stage doing your show, people are laughing and having a good time, and then after that when you're hanging out and meeting them. Um, Man, you just can't beat it. It's imagine a job where you get to go and complain about everything that went wrong in your day, and other people validate your point of view by laughing. They pay you, and then uh, people want to have a have a beer with you after the show. It's a pretty good job. It's a pretty good job. You got to watch out for the beer, though. That's that's laid a lot of ladies and gentlemen low. Um, so that's what life is like for a stand-up comedian, or just a taste of it. I, I'd be happy to talk to you in private, ladies and gentlemen, people, children of all ages, if you'd like to come up and, and address me in person after a show at some point in the future. You've just returned from a month in New Zealand. Anything different about comedy down under? Well, I think I made this clear at the beginning. I was in New Zealand visiting family. I wasn't doing my actual stand-up comedy, although, you know, when, when <laughs> we all have a sense of humor, and so oftentimes I was doing little mini versions of my show around the dinner table from my mother-in-law finds uh well i it's it's fun to make her laugh she's got a great sense of humor and she likes to laugh um but uh, anything different about comedy down under now that's you i'm not a kiss and tell kind of a guy how would you how would you like it if uh if you heard some comedian talking about what you were like as an audience member after you had enjoyed his show either saying bad thing you know you only want to say good things about people you know if they're if they're kind enough to kiss you or buy a ticket to your comedy show those are people who whose whose company 
and uh, an admiration you value. So I would say that uh, the only thing different about comedy down under is that those people are a long ways away, and I got to go a long way to see them. But was it worth it? Absolutely. I'd go back any time. I hope to go back to Australia next year for the comedy festival, and uh, and also uh, Great Britain, um, which is no longer part of the. Uh, European Union, or they voted themselves out. It's not clear whether they're going to leave or not, right? Let's face it. We don't know. We don't know what they're going to do. They, they're having a little bit of uh, remorse about, like, holy cow, this. Everybody seems to be freaking out about this. Um, but anyway, who are we to talk? United States of America. We might, we might elect a reality TV show uh, star our president. So there you go. I can't. I, I just. I didn't make the world. I vote in it, and uh, I buy my lunch just like everybody else. There's a perception that many comedians are in reality depressed or perhaps unbalanced. <laughs> Have you found that to be true? Oh, come on, Josh. How are you gonna? It's my. It's. There's a perception in my house amongst me that uh, human beings in reality are many are depressed and uh, perhaps unbalanced. I mean, look, we've all had our unbalanced days. And our depressed days. I feel pretty good right now. I have to admit, this <laughs> this being interviewed uh, on your own podcast by sheets of paper is I'm I'm quite quite enjoying it. So, please, uh, any other aspiring journalists out there who'd <laughs> like to shoot me some questions that I haven't uh, already addressed, or if you'd like further expound expoundations on any of these. Um, so yeah, yeah, I've I've seen some depressed comedians. I mean, I knew a guy who lit himself on fire in the streets. I knew a person who blew his brains out on the phone to his ex-wife. I knew, uh, I've known several people who blew themselves up on drugs and passed away in alcohol. Um, I've, I've had a hug and a cry with a few guys after a show. But uh, more depressed and unbalanced than just regular people who know. It's hard to be a person, Josh. Uh, I'm maybe, <laughs> I don't know what kind of wonder wonder. Wonder Island, Nantucket is, but it's hard to be a person, man. And so, uh, yeah, people in reality are depressed and unbalanced all over the place. We just got to kind of hang on and realize that we're all in this together. Let's give each other a hug and fucking cease fire. Cease fire, everyone. Okay, how do you deal with hecklers? Cease fire. Cease fire. How do I deal with hecklers? Um, now I've got to hang on just a second. This is again, how do you deal with hecklers? You know, look. How how many, how, what kind of a nuclear defense system does the United States have? You don't reveal to the enemy the 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 measures and countermeasures that you've got in place to to defeat them. And that just doesn't seem sensible to me. How do you deal with hecklers? Well, you you play you play them as they lay. You you try and get both feet on the ground and and. Uh, well, you just talk to them. I find most of the time when people are doing what, what now, you know, very few people are just out and out mean trying to be, say mean things or destroy the show. Mostly it's uh, drunk people who forgot that there were other people in the room and they just got excited because the show seems conversational and they want to talk to you. They want to participate. You've been talking all this time and they want to do some talking. So, uh, so you just kind of, I try and treat them that way. Usually they sort of realize, uh, <laughs> that they don't have as much material as I have, and uh, and they'll kind of punch out, they'll clock out. But eventually, you know, if if they if they can't control themselves, then uh, somebody's going to have to throw them out of the show. You know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not. Nobody in the rest of the audience wants to sit there and listen to me just have a conversation with a drunk person. Do they? Do they? 
Because I would do that, man. If that that sounds like a good TV show, there's there's your TV show idea. We're 24 minutes into this thing, but it's me just talking to people who get drunk. You've heard of Drunk History, the Drunk History Show, where they get people drunk and then they tell sto- history stories. Well, this is just me just talking to drunk people, just lonely drunk people coming over. It's hard to be a person. There's a lot of depressed, unbalanced. I'm not looking for unbalanced people to be on the uh, drunk drunk conversation show that I'm starting up on the internet. Um, but depressed is okay, although I don't know how entertaining that is for the rest of the audience. Um, so has has my has my method of dealing with hecklers evolved over your career? Well, it, look, the, everything is evolving over time. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I've been doing stand-up for 34 years, so of course it's evolved. I mean, we're all evolving and we're changing. We're becoming better people. That's what I hope. We're all turning into the fantastic butterflies uh, that we of our dreams. <laughs> right? Yeah caterpillars um what comedic accomplishments are you most proud of and why well uh i've been on the letterman show 46 times i mean that to me is an achievement i i I would you know that's something that i've really enjoyed doing in my life and i'm proud that uh, they enjoyed me enough to have me on that many times i'm it makes me feel good pride is something I, i don't you try you get in trouble with pride pride goes before the fall there's a cliche for you um but i try not to i try to I, maybe i try not to maybe that's the midwestern thing i try not to be proud i don't i don't think about it, things in terms of proud but i but things that are rewarding for me been rewarding for me in my career the first thing that comes to mind is those 46 times that i was on the david letterman show i got bumped a few times too so those were also those were also fun um and uh and then that I got to be on the Tonight Show with the great Johnny Carson, that that was a that was a big deal. And and just over time, as I'm sure that uh, the the Letterman being on Letterman shows many times, over time that has just become more and more of a special thing to have to have met and performed on Johnny Carson's show and had a conversation with him on that show. That was a big deal. I performed for the President of the United States at Ford Theater, where uh, historically, uh, you know. When President Lincoln was assassinated, but nobody got assassinated the night I was there, although I killed. Um, yeah, so I did a show there for that was the first President Bush, and that was exciting. And there was a reception in the White House. I've been to Hong Kong. I've performed in Ireland. I've performed in um, England, London, and uh, I've been down to Australia. It's Canada. Canada. What about Canada? Uh, I've done some corporate gigs. I've been to the Dominican Republic. I've gotten to travel a lot. So I would say that I'm proud of those things because they were a good time. And I feel like I'm proudest of the fact in my career that that I've been able to do a job that I enjoy as much as I'm doing it. As I as I doing it now, the talking. Forget it. First, I couldn't read, now I can't even talk. I'm 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 proud that I've been able to do do a job that I enjoy as much as I do, for as long as I have, and uh, and many more to come. That's me knocking on the wooden thing here in my office. Um, so I'm proud of that, and I'm proud of uh, having the friendship and the respect of so many of my peers. I mean, you, you talk about comedians is. Uh, uh, many people have the perception that they're uh, in reality depressed or unbalanced. Well, you know, maybe. But I'll tell you one thing about them. Uh, in reality, they're a lot of them pretty smart and a really good time to hang out with. And so uh, 
I, I'm, I'm proud that I've, I've been able to, to spend as much time with those great people as I have over the course of my career. Now, how familiar are you with the Nantucket Comedy Festival and Stand Up and Learn? Well, I'm not very uh, familiar, I have to admit, Josh, because I had to. I mean, look, I got a phone call from a friend of mine, Vic Henley. Well, I didn't really get a phone call. Well, I did get a phone call from him, but first uh, we had a conversation after a show when I was in New York City at Gotham Comedy Club. A shout out. When am I coming back there? Gotham. Hello. I got, got some openings in my calendar. New York City, the population of that place is pretty big compared to Nantucket. And I'd love to get back there. Anyway, so Vic and I were talking after the show and he tells me, oh, I, I, I do this little, uh, produce this little Nantucket comedy festival. I book the comics board or, or whatever. And it's a good time. You come out, you hang out. We all stay at the same place and uh, hanging around. I already told you, ladies and gentlemen, how much I enjoy hanging out with comedians and talking to them. So this is, we're going to go to an island uh, where they used to do whaling and now they teach children how to do comedy and, and do some comedy shows. He goes, well, pay for your ticket. You bring your wife and your kid. And it would sound great. Now my wife has got this job. She's the, um, she's the, uh, uh, senior writer for the Department of the Environment and Sustainability at the University of Southern California, Los Angeles. Today's her first day of work. So she has had to bag out of this Nantucket trip. So it's just me and my daughter coming. Anyway, Vic asked me to do it, and I said it sounded like fun. I would do it. I didn't really even know what it was to benefit. I just knew that Vic was asking me to do it, and he's a good guy, so it's not going to be something terrible that I disagree with. I mean, I could, I, I would say that, you know, look, if you're looking for charities out in the world, Smile Train or Doctors Without Borders, you know, those, those people, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know that this is a, this is a real dire need that uh, young children in Nantucket need how to learn, learn how to do stand up. But, uh, I'm going to enjoy my weekend there and uh, I'm familiar with it now. I'll tell you what I'm familiar with. Uh, when you go on the website, <laughs> Nantucket Comedy Festival, you can see, on the, 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 the top of the page, it changes to pictures of the people who are in the show. And when it changes to my show, it's me and Tom Cotter. And they've spelled my last name wrong. And they've spelled it correctly several other times on the website. So <laughs> if only they had known that I have a website of my own, jakethis.com, where you can find the correct spelling of my name. I mean, that's what a lot of people say. Oh, what's spelled wrong a lot of other places on the Internet? And I go, well, maybe maybe you ought to go to my website. It comes up first when you Google Jake Comedian, um, unless you don't know how to spell Jake, and then you're in trouble. Anyway, so I'm familiar with Nantucket in that point, and the person who does the Comedy Festival website didn't bother to spell check my name. That hurt my feelings at first a little bit. I'll be honest. That's the type of person I am. 34 years in show business, 46 appearances on Letterman, performed as the President of the United States, and then somebody spells your name wrong on an island of 10,344 people, 99 people, and it uh, and it uh, hurts your feelings. You know what? You'd think, I'd, you'd think I'd be a little tougher, wouldn't you? You'd think I'd be a little tougher. How could a thing like that hurt my feelings? But it did, ladies and gentlemen, hurt my feelings. I couldn't get up. I meant to do this half an hour ago, this podcast, but... Uh, but <laughs> But I was hurt. I was hurt bad. Anyway, I, I sent them an email, and uh, I, I, hopefully they're going to change that. But if they don't, if they don't, that'll be equally funny for me. Um, you know, there's only ten thousand three hundred ninety-nine people on the island, so people are pulling double duty. You know, the person who's supposed to spell check the comedy festival website is also probably the postman, or or he runs one of the saltwater taffy places. Why come out to an island thirty miles to sea to perform for a couple of days? Well. I think I already explained that. Vic Henley asked me to. <laughs> and I said I'd do it, because I like Vic. 
Now, don't let that go to your head, Vic, because we'll see how this goes and if I'll be doing what you asked me to do from now on. Oh, I should have mentioned Vic earlier when it asked me about uh, what uh, comedians I respected and admired. Vic is <laughs> very funny. Oh, man, I've already... Had to, I did read through these ahead of time, and I can't believe I missed something like that. Funniest comedian you've ever seen live. Vic Henley, check him out. Um, what advice would you give us aspiring young comedians? Well... <laughs> Get a YouTube YouTube channel. This podcast is great, but it's all happening on YouTube. Start making videos of yourself. Carry your camera around. Shoot yourself all day long. Snapchat. I've tried it. I don't understand it, but you can Snapchat. I've been trying to watch this guy, Casey Neistat. I've watched some of his videos. I'm thinking about buying an electric skateboard now, thanks to that guy, because he's a YouTube star. He can get you to buy a skateboard. He can get you to buy a $2,000 electric skateboard when you're about to fly cross-country to do a show for free for a bunch of hedge fund managers on an island. That's that's how good that Casey Neistat is. Check him out on the internet. You probably already know about him. It, well, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know what you know. What? How do I know what you know? If I was clairvoyant, if I could read minds, I'll tell you what, I'd be, I'd be performing It'd be about the same ticket price as this Nantucket Comedy Festival, but it'd be in a lot bigger venue, and I'd be keeping all the money if I was clairvoyant. As actually clairvoyant, I, I think clairvoyant is talking to dead people. That That's not really going to do you a lot of good. What I need to do is to look into the future. That's what I need to do. Um, hang on. Let me look that up. Oh, no, I was right. Clairvoyant, a person who claims to have supernatural ability to perceive events in the future or beyond normal sensory contact. So maybe that's also I could be able to talk to dead people. But I wouldn't be talking to dead people. I'd be looking into the future for uh, stock market tips. Is that how I do it? I think, I think I'm more of a stock market guy. Hello, hedge fund operators. Uh, I think I'm more of a stock, fund, uh, stock market guy than I am a racetrack sports betting kind of a guy. But that's just me. That's just that wasn't even on these questions. That's just a little bonus tidbit about myself. What advice would I give to aspiring young comedians? Well, yeah, wear a condom or insist that your partner wears a condom. That's some good advice for those early days in your career. Watch out for the free booze. Um, it's a job benefit and it's also a hazard, as I've mentioned before. Um, I'd give you the advice that I give everybody on this podcast: don't give up. Don't give up. There'll be plenty of time to give up later. Um, and, uh, you know, if if you're doing it, if you're doing stand-up comedy for the money, um, you got you, 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 the chances that you're going to get rich or you're going to even be able to make a nice living as I've done in my career. You know, who knows if that's going to happen. But if you're doing stand-up comedy because you enjoy it, you enjoy performing, you enjoy hanging out with other comedians, there's a 100% ha- chance that you're going to be happy and you're going to get what you want. So really think about why you're doing what you're doing before you do it and uh, and adjust your behavior accordingly. <laughs> All right? That's some solid... I'm going to stand by that advice and also keep writing new stuff. Just because you got five great jokes doesn't mean you don't need five more great jokes. If you could invite any four people, living or dead, to a post-performance supper, who would they be and why? Well... You know, this question, this is a question that, you know, I can't blame Josh for this one because you hear this one all the, all the time, you know, if you could have dinner with Woody Allen, he's not dead, you could have dinner with Woody Allen if you wanted to. I don't think I, yeah, well, I would. <laughs> Let's face it, if you want to you have your people get in touch with my people and I'll be there, Woody. Um, but if you could invite any four people living or dead to a post-performance supper, you know, I, I wouldn't want to invite any four people. I would like to have dinner at a post-performance supper with people 
who enjoyed my show whose company I enjoy. So I wouldn't want to invite just four people because they were famous. You know, hey, I'd love to, I'd love to have a post post performance supper with Barack Obama, but not, not if he's not a fan. You know, I'm not going to make him watch a TV show that he or a comedy show that he doesn't want to watch, and then sit there and tell him how great Michelle's arms look uh, after the show. I'm not going to do that. I'm just me staring at her beautiful muscular arms. Um, so I, I don't think I. I I, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the people who I'm already attending post-performance suppers <laughs> with right now, and uh, I, I have enjoyed some of the some of the more well-known people that uh, I uh, have met over the years. But I tell you what, I, it, you, you want to talk about a good post post-show supper? You see if you can go to Miss Pat's show and uh, and hang out with her after the show. She's she's pretty good value, Miss Pat. Um, I'll tell you who else is great. You, you can check out on my podcast, Dr. Chris Ryan. Sit around, talk to that guy for hours and hours, and it's a great time. Um, so, I don't know who would they be. I, I want to have. I want to enjoy the company of people who enjoy my company, and and whose company I also enjoy. So, who are they? It's hard to know in advance. It's hard to. I'm not clairvoyant. Damn it! If I was clairvoyant, this would be an easier question. Um, but. Uh, Who's on my? Well, I can't wait to meet Joe Rogan. I've I've really enjoyed his podcast for these years, and he knows that. I've said that on this show. I mean, he knows it because I tweeted to him. But uh, look forward to running in, into him one of these days out there. Um, post performance supper. I'm looking forward to my post performance supper out there on Nantucket. Probably I'm going to eat my supper before the show. I didn't even call. I think I'm a, I'm more of a dinner person. We call our evening meal dinner supper. Supper seems like a thing that Jesus eats because of the Last Supper, I guess. Um, but I may have a post-performance drink with Mr. Uh, Josh Balling. Uh, thank you, Josh, for these great questions. I mean, I really did an- enjoy answering them, but it's taken me 38 minutes to do this, and this is just talking. Imagine if I had to type and then cut out all the parts that were not as interesting and make it make me seem exciting, like you'd want to go out to see my comedy show on Nantucket Island. Oh, I'd hate to have that job. Hats off to you. Salute to you, Josh. And uh, I look forward to seeing you out there on Nantucket, and I'm sorry, but uh, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I'm proud. I'm proud and pleased that I've won the contest between the two of us as to who is the most lazy but still manages to do their job. I'll see you Friday night, Nantucket, and I'll see you, the rest of America, out there in the world. Indianapolis, not Indianapolis, Bloomington, Indiana, also Indianapolis. Stand by. You're on alert. Go to my website, jakethis.com. Don't give up. There will be plenty of time to give up later. Stick together. We're all in this together. Cease fire.
Good night.